Nobody ever thought we would make it. Watch how far we take it. Past the stars and spaceships from a city where the music is sacred. You in the presence of a rebel now. Yeah, we about to take it to another level now. About time everybody got together now. Things are looking better now. We can live forever now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 94 Feet with your host, Spencer Jenny, myself. I just had a bowl of chili with cheese and guacamole, so I'm ready to go. It's actually midnight uh, going into Saturday. What's the date today? December 5th. A lot of good college basketball. I'm just going to say that. A lot of good college basketball um, over this past week. It was opening week. Um, It was really exciting to watch every team get back into the flow and get back into the swing of things. But I just want to run through the best games of the week. I want to run through my top five players of the week. And then I want to run through maybe the best duo in the country, freshman of the week. We'll see how this goes. But uh, yeah, I want to start off with Kansas-Gonzaga last week. Gonzaga just looks insane to me. Jalen Suggs, um, you know, it's, it's too bad that he got injured uh, in his last game. And all of our prayers are up with Jalen. But no, it, it, when they're fully healthy... They're, they're legit. I mean, I after watching their first game, to me, they were the clear-cut national um, national championship contender for me. Like, they were the clear-cut winner. Um, when you have a guy like Killian Tilly, who's a – or not Killian Tilly, um, Drew Timmy, who's a sophomore. When you have Corey Kispert, when you have Jalen Suggs, when you have um, when you have a Yai or a Yay, however the hell you say it, you have four guys that can, that can damn near consistently go off for 20 points a night. Like that's scary if you're a team that is looking to really make a run in the tournament. And right now they're the number one team in the country. I'm not gonna get it twisted. Like they're they're nice. I won't lie, they're nice. But if they can stay healthy, and I I hope they do because I hope Jalen Jalen Suggs comes back, and you know is uh, a big contributor for them. He was actually going to be my freshman of the week. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but he was going to be my freshman of the week prior to his injury. But there was another player that I think came on a little strong and over and honestly shocked a lot of people and myself. Um, but we'll get into that a little later. Next, I want to go to a game that we saw in the first tournament, um, or no, the second tournament. Virginia was upset by San Francisco. San Francisco went on like an 8-0 run with like a minute left, and they hit two threes, and they barely squeaked out, squeaked out the win. But Virginia had their chances. They had an open shot um, in the end of the game. I think it was uh, I think it was one of the Hauser brothers had a wide open shot. But I mean, Jay Huff had an opportunity to win the game. Um, Hauser did, and then Kia Clark kind of ran that um, kind of ran that like comeback in the last minute, which I thought was pretty impressive by him. Uh, Virginia is one of those teams to me that if they can really get it going on all cylinders in terms of playing well together, shorting out who their scores are going to be. They also have to rebound at a very consistent pace and rate um, for them to be successful. But, I mean, the coaching is there. Um, I think, you know, uh, I think every like every, every part of their staff is consistent in terms of every year output and how they perform every year. So they're definitely going to be one of the up-and-coming teams. But, Losing to San Francisco is definitely like the first big upset of the year, which is why I think that this is something worth talking about because San Francisco is one of those teams that's going to be maybe at the top of their conference. We will see. I mean, it's definitely definitely good for recruiters now 
um, from that school because, I mean, if you can prove you beat Virginia, your program is going to be on the up and up. That's exactly what happened to UMBC. They got guys like um, like Darnell Rogers, who's 5'3", but he's literally Muggsy Bogues. Like, he's insane. Um, if you watch this kid's highlights, I mean, they're, they're getting top-level guys. Not like cream of the crop guys, but they're getting guys in that mid-low level Division One. but they're like the high-level, low-major, mid-major Division One players. So I think that's what's going to happen with San Francisco. Um, now I want to go to another game now. Um, you know, I'm a big LSU guy. We played against St. Louis last week. And, I mean, both teams played well. St. Louis, um, when you just look at them as a team, they're – I think they started 35th in the country. LSU started 26th in the country um, in the preseason rankings or the first week. But when people think of St. Louis, they're like, oh, it's St. Louis. How could you lose to them? Nah. You have, like, don't talk to me unless you've seen this team play. They have a guy by the name of Javante Perkins. Excellent score. He had 32 that night. He absolutely went crazy. He was the, he was the catalyst that really sparked their you know uh how well they play like they they were leading lsu by like 10 or 8 points at half um it was interesting to see because lsu they came out really really lethargic in my opinion the only two guys that i think <coughs> excuse me but the only two guys that had um any sort of points was uh javante smart who had 18 at half i think or 16 and then trenton watford had like 10 or 12 and then the rest of the team had like two points so it's very lopsided, and those are the two guys that, if things aren't going LSU's way, those are the two guys that are going to have to score. Um, because like Cam Thomas, who is a freshman, he wasn't really playing well. Um, he's one of the best scorers as a freshman in the country. And then Darius Days wasn't hitting his shots like he was the first game. So um, St. Louis, definitely not a team to mess with. Um, they're projected to finish uh, second in the A-10 behind, um, I forget what team. But no, they finished second. I mean, and even last year when uh, they played against Dayton, Dayton's head coach and Obi Toppin, literally, they, they said to cameras, they were like, St. Louis was the ones that was giving us problems. Like, St. Louis is the second best team in this, in this conference. A-10's no joke. They have, you know, UMass, URI, VCU. Like, they have players. They have teams. Richmond. Richmond, I think, is projected to win uh, the A-10. But um, no, that was definitely a good game to watch. Unfortunately, LSU had lost that game by two and honestly such a winnable game i'll tell you that right now such a winnable game but um no nah, it was exciting to see the team play the way they did because it was encouraging seeing that if we can hang like a team with st louis and only lose by you know two or three points when in the first half we were down by eight and we played shitty ass basketball that's just that's a good sign in my opinion like there weren't that many turnovers it was just a lot of you know missed shots and missed opportunities but um, that's all I want to say about that. Next, I want to address, like I just said, Richmond. They upset Kentucky um, on the road, you know, at Rupp. And I think this was interesting for me because it made me think about who's the real leader on Kentucky. They have a ton of talent. They have Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Isaiah Jackson. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, shit, their point guard. Devin Askew, thank you. Um you know, they have really talented guys coming off the bench, too. They have some transfers. Olivia Sar, he's good. I think he's going to be a really good contributor. But, like, when I think about Kentucky, the last couple of years, it's, I've, it seemed like they had, like, a two-year guy that's been, like, their consistent person to lean on. Like, last year they had Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Hagens. 
year before that, and I mean, even last year they had Nick Richards too, but Nick Richards was a three-year guy. So they have, they've had guys to really, that were there for a while, and you know they have the ability to step in and be that leader because they know what they've done in the program, but you don't have those guys in Kentucky this year, which is why I think the leader really has to be B.J. Boston or Olivia Sar. and Sar is a senior, and he's a transfer-in senior, but he's, he's, again, he's a transfer-in. He's only been here less than one year. Like He's two or three games in, and they've already lost a game to Richmond. And, I mean, Richmond's no, no, no bad team. Like I'm not going to say that, but, I mean, Richmond's projected to win the A-10, um, projected to win the A-10 this year. But when I look at Kentucky, they just look so discombobulated. Um, even when they lost to uh, Kansas, they didn't have. They don't have like that go-to guy that's gonna go get you a bucket. They don't have that go-to guy that's gonna bring the team in and energize the team. Maybe get uh, and force them to get a defensive stop. It's those kind of things that I think Kentucky is missing, and this is why I don't think that they're gonna win the SEC or even make it far into the um, into the uh, uh, March Madness tournament. Because when you have a team that's all freshmen, like, yeah, they're talented as hell. But I'm not going to really read anything into that yet. Um, but, I mean, I, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'm not going to, you know, throw too much shade on them. But they're definitely a super talented team, and I just want to let you know let everybody else know that. Um, oh, Murray State. They played against Greenville, well, which is uh, actually where my freshman year roommate lives. But um, they dropped 173 points. I think they had like eight. I think it was like nine or ten guys that had that had double figure points. I think like four or five of them had over 20 points. And it was interesting to see because Murray State just lost a lot of their firepower. Like when John Morant left, the next year I think the second the two next leading scores that they had from the John Morant year. Um, I think they both. I th- I want to say both of them graduated. But I could be wrong on that, so don't fact check me there. But um, no, they dropped me 173 points. It's just out of the box. Like I, I was amazed. Um, Penn State recently, um, they won on a buzzer beater to VCU. I actually was watching the game. Penn State. Sup- I go to Penn State, by the way. Penn State looks surprisingly good on the defensive end for not having that premier big man, but having you know switchable wings. A lot of them are undersized. You know, Seth Lundy's six five. Myron Jones, 6'5", 6'6", 6'4", maybe. Or actually, no. Myron Jones, 6'3". And then they have Sam Sessoms, who transferred in. Um, Jamari Wheeler, who had the game of his life um, in his uh, in his first game of the season. I think he had like 18 points, a couple or seven rebounds, five assists, six assists. And I think he had like five steals. So he played really, really well. It was encouraging to see him really break out of his shell. Because he's before, he's known as the really quick guy who's going to get up and down, push the pace, but... Not really give you those numbers. Like, I mean, last year he averaged like three points, you know, four assists, a couple of rebounds, and a couple of steals. Um, so he's really that glue guy. But in terms of scoring, it was good to see him break out. But, the, but I mean, obviously the biggest headline from this game was that they won on a buzzer beater. Miles Dredd, who on the second day of school, I saw him at, uh, at Walmart. Shout out Miles Dredd. Um, I mean, it was a crazy shot. Um, I'm sure if, I'm sure if uh, the Bryce Jordan Center was packed with fans, like it usually is, uh, that stadium would have been going crazy, maybe crowding the floor. You never know. But, no, it was good to see Miles Dredd hit that shot, and I think that's really going to spark him because I remember the first game he had think he shot like like two of eight from the field, and he's really come into his own as like a – I don't know how to say it, but he's come into his own as like a really good shooter, streaky sometimes, but he can really get it going. 
um, when they need him most. And I think that's gonna they're gonna get what they're gonna count on this year because they have so many versatile wings. You have Isaiah Brockington, you have Seth Lundy, you have Myron Jones, you have Miles Dredd. All of those guys are gonna be able to switch, play defense. All of those guys can shoot. My, uh, Isaiah Brockington's probably the most athletic guy on the on the court. And then you have Sam Sessoms who can come in and play the one-two, who can play the combo guard, and he's a pure scorer. So I think Penn State, as much as they lost last year in Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins for you know toughness and rebounding, I think they got all of that back in you know speed, athleticism, um, fight, and like that's exactly what Jamari Wheeler gives the team. Like he's that rough rider guy who's really going to go after it and give that team what they need. So I'm excited to see the rest of Penn State, and hopefully I'll be on the sidelines next semester, you know, maybe get be a manager next semester. We'll see how that goes. Um, oh, Texas UNC, another buzzer beater, Matt Coleman. Shout out uh, Oak Hill Academy. Shout out Coach Steve Smith. What the hell is that? That must be my dryer or something. Buzzer's going off. But, no, Matt Coleman hit a crazy buzzer beater. I think this is really going to be his coming out year. You know, he's a senior. He's been averaging no more than like 13, 12 points his entire career, maybe an under 10. But he's, you know, that that leader that's going to come out and, you know, be a leader to the team and everything like that. And I'm excited to see how, you know, he pans out with that team because, I mean, they're one of those teams that they thrive on energy. Like Shaka Smart, head coach, he used to coach with Will Wade um, over at VCU. And VCU is um, actually one of the better defensive teams and led – Led the uh, NCAA in pace, uh, steals, block shots. So, I mean, I think that this is really Matt Coleman's coming out party, and I think he can turn it up, maybe be that late second-round pick that's going to, you know, provide some leadership, speed, and craftiness at that point guard position, maybe for a G League team or something like that. But it was encouraging to see Texas beat, um, in my opinion, a very, very loaded UNC team. Last year was a little bit, a little bit of an off year, but this year they are – beyond stacked with talent you know they have probably in my opinion a top five most deep team in the ncaa when you're having walker kessler and leaky black and um and rj davis possibly come off the bench those are three starter caliber guys that can literally start on any other college team in the ncaa like that's how talented these guys are and i'm sure i'm missing some names but like even even their starting lineup is ridiculous. Like every one of those guys, at least to me, is a household name. So I mean that that's just <laughs> that's just my opinion. Uh, Illinois yesterday uh, drops to Baylor. This kind of was eye opening to me because Illinois. I mean they came in with a lot of hype. You know they had um, uh, the new kid um, Adam. What's his name? Adam. I I, remember, I forget his name, but I mean, Io assume knew, you know, he's household name. He's going to get it done regardless. And then Kofi Cockburn, um, two guys that are up there for National Player of the Year. But they didn't exactly show up. I mean, Io was like two for eight at half with like four points. Kofi was, was, uh, was like one for two from the field. He had two points. And then Baylor, I mean, they have guys that aren't household names, but maybe probably the most like probably the toughest team in terms of collective energy and grit and grind in the NCAA when you have Jared Baylor, Vital, you have, um, oh, I can't remember this guy's name. Shit. But no, that's like that's the Baylor system. You know, they, they thrive on toughness. Like, and that's how they play. 
All their guards will get at you. They'll play defense. They'll lock up 94 feet. Shout out the podcast. But no, um, they lock up 94 feet. It's really encouraging to see what they can do. And I think Baylor has a chance to, you know, be that that primary elite team other than um, other than Gonzaga. And I honestly didn't expect this from Baylor this year. I knew they had good players. Oh, and Jared Butler. My apologies. Um, but I didn't really expect this out of Baylor this year. I mean, I, I saw a top eight team. I saw a top 10 team. I did not see a top two team. I didn't. They have experience, but they don't have that. They don't have that elite talent that's going to really take you over the top, in my opinion. But when you look at Gonzaga, you have Jalen Suggs, who's a freshman, who, in my opinion, is mini Russell Westbrook. Like he is the next Russell Westbrook. He plays with pace. He's super athletic. Um, shares a lot of the same qualities. Not a not a great shooter, but a serviceable shooter. Um, great in the pick and roll. Super athletic. It's encouraging to see if he gets back healthy, how good that team can be. And not don't sleep on Andrew Nemhart either. He's a transfer from Florida, uh, from University of Florida, transferred to Gonzaga. Comes off the bench for them, provides them you know bench depth at the point guard position, bench scoring and bench leadership. I mean, a lot of teams kind of count on the bench for you know points and stuff like that, but you really need like that guy to carry the bench in terms of you know leadership because. If you don't have a guy that's going to hold it down and you know run the offense and everything like that, like what do you have? You, you're relying on the coach and you're not really running stuff that you believe you should be running if you were that primary point guard. And if you're a primary point guard coming off the bench, you're looking to play in the NBA. So that's just my advice to all you young players. Uh, and then lastly, tonight, and one of the reasons I wanted to save, wanted to save the podcast until tonight was um, you know before I said... Uh, every Monday or every uh, Wednesday, but I wanted to wait till Friday this time because um, there were so many good games. You know, I, t- like Tuesday or was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. But Wednesday, I think had Illinois Baylor. You know, you had Texas UNC, Penn State, crazy game events against VCU, and then obviously Super Tuesday. You know, you had Duke lose to Michigan. You had Kansas beat Kentucky. Um, I mean, my parlay loss, but crazy games. Uh, and that's really why I wanted to save it uh, until today and just, you know, identify some key players uh, in the NCAA, key matchups, everything like that. So, uh, no, nah, but tonight we saw a crazy game. Marquette upset Wisconsin uh, at home. Marquette played really, really well defensively. I was surprised how well and locked in they played. Um, they held Wisconsin to, I believe, 62 points. They were 63, 63 or no, it was maybe 65 or 64, 63. Um, you know, there was a foul call against Wisconsin with like 0.8 seconds left. Uh, uh, Marquette's down one. DJ Carton was at the line for two. Hits the first one, short on the second one, but a crazy effort play um, made by one of the Marquette players. A tip-in at the front of the rim, right as the buzzer sound. Marquette wins by one. Um, or no, they went by two, 65-63, my fault. But no, it was really encouraging to see Marquette play with such a locked-in mentality on defense because they are not they haven't been known for that in, in past years. I mean, you've had Marcus Howard, who was 5'11". He wasn't known for defending, so I mean, they could really get all the points at the point guard position scored against them in the past couple of years. But I mean, Wisconsin's also known for, you know, playing gritty defense and not allowing many points. And I mean, 65 to me... 
in terms of Wisconsin defense is kind of kind of on the high end. So looking at them, um, I mean, they're still a top five, top six team, but the Marquette win definitely opened some eyes, um, you know, to the uh, Marquette Eagles. I think that's their mascot. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so that about wraps up all the big, you know, matchups and games that we've seen over the past couple, you know, past couple days, past week and a half. But now I want to highlight my top five players of the week. You know, we had crazy performances by, you know, ton, like tons of different players that you may not even have heard of. But I wanted to shout out a few of these guys. Marcus Carr, Minnesota. In their three games, he's averaging damn near 28 points. He's second, or no, 27 points. He's second in the country in scoring right now. And I mean, we'll get to the number one guy in a minute. And this guy's tearing it up. And the Big Ten, I will tell you right now, is the deepest the, the deepest contract or contract conference in the country by far. Like it's not close. You look at you look at the um, at the March Madness bracketology by uh, Joe Lenardi. He's got ten or he's got ten or eleven teams in there. Seems like like there's mad teams in there. I mean, then you have the SEC with like six or eight. You have the ACC with six. You have um, you have the Big East with like four or five, maybe. But no, the Big Ten is super deep this year. Uh, Marcus Carr really carrying his squad. I haven't played crazy good teams yet, and I think you know that'll slow down his scoring. But Marcus Carr Jr. Um, super talented. Um, I've watched. I got an opportunity to watch some of his clips. I think I watched a half of uh, a Wisconsin, of a um, Minnesota game this year. But Marcus Carr looks insane. He looks amazing. Um, I'm definitely excited to see you know what he does to. Uh, Penn State, how Penn State can guard him. Um, me being a future coach, I want to see how uh, players defend him, how he's able to score in the offensive end and everything like that. Now, we're going to go to, uh, you know, let's, I would, I would say probably a uh, under-the-weather team maybe, you know, some team that you really haven't heard of. Austin Pay or Austin P, however the, however the hell you say it. Terry Taylor. This kid does everything. I mean, he's 6'5 or 6'6, you know, scoring 24 points a game. He's dropping 12, 13 rebounds, five assists. This guy is the college Luka Doncic, probably smaller and a little more athletic, but, you know, playing at a mid-major like Austin P or Austin Pay, however the hell you say it, when you're doing this kind of stuff, I think he won his conferences player of the year last year. He's playing at a better rate or at a better, you know, clip than he was last year. And last year's numbers were ridiculous. So I am super excited to see how the rest of the season for Terry Taylor goes. He is one phenomenal talent. He's going to be a late first round for early second round pick for sure. Because he, I mean, he's 6'5", grabbing all these rebounds against you know mid-major talent, blah, blah, blah. You can say what you want. But at the end of the day, this guy has the talent. He's athletic. He can shoot. He can handle it. He's a really confident player for where he plays and the position he plays granted his height. So I'm excited to see how he turns out. Now my next two play on the same team, both averaging over 25, leading their teams to an undefeated season so far. Gave him a little bit of a scare against West Virginia, but for Gonzaga, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy. It's sad to see Jalen Suggs go down. You know, we're all praying for you, Jalen. If you ever get a chance to be on this podcast or listen, we'd be happy to have you. But no, Gonzaga right now is in, they're, they're in heaven right now. They have two guys that are really in in there for you know national player of the year. 
already, in my opinion, Drew Timmy and, and Corey Kispert. Um, both guys are, you know, experienced guys, playing the team for a little bit. And Mark Few, in my opinion, I'm, I'm a big Will Wade fan. I'm a big um, Mike Krzyzewski fan. Uh, Mark Few is a, is a top three coach in the NCAA. Like, non, it's non-debatable. I think he, among active coaches, I think he has the best, um, the best win percentage. I think it's around like 80, 83% or something like that. I looked it up the other day, but no, he's really impressive. Um, and I didn't realize he was, he's actually been at Gonzaga all his life. He was a grad assistant there, and then he was an assistant there, and then he became head coach. He's been head coach for now around 20 years now. So it's interesting to see how, how well that team has, you know, progressed and, been like the standout in the Mountain West and you know they're like the really one of the only relevant teams out there but um no and when it goes back to Corey Kispert Drew Timmy these guys have the chance to lead this team to a national championship um I mean we're gonna get to them again later but I mean I'm super impressed from what I've seen um from these two and then last but not least the big man the guy that's averaging over 35 points, 12 rebounds, and set assists, whatever, a couple blocks. Luca Garza might be the, in terms of numbers, I don't think I've ever seen, like in, in with my own eyes on live television, I don't think I've ever seen a college big man produce better numbers than Luca Garza. This guy is a machine. He had, he had 30 points in the first half the other day. He had over 45 points the other day in another game. This guy's ridiculous. In my opinion, he's a smaller Dirk. Um, I don't know. I don't really know his body type too well. I don't know how he how he runs that much. I don't pay that much attention to Iowa. But this guy is a monster. And then when you combine it with shooting all over the court, I mean, highlighting your best shooter and and um, Camp and uh, um, their and their point guard. Um, I forget his name, but those are two very, very good shooters that are going to help them win a national championship. My dream national championship this year is probably Gonzaga, Iowa. That would be crazy because not only would you have two elite bigs and Drew Timmy and Luca Garza going at it, but then you have shooting versus getting up and down athleticism because you have Ayai, you have Jalen Suggs, hopefully when he gets back, Corey Kisper, an all-around guy that's going to basically do everything. He's averaging over 25 this year against a team that's going to be shooting, you know, 30, 40 threes a game. They're kind of like the Houston Rockets of the of college basketball. Um, so, I mean, they're definitely an exciting team, and I'm excited to watch more of them play um, as the season goes along because, as, the, as I said, I'm, I go to Penn State. I'm, you know, I'm in the Big Ten. Um, I'm definitely excited to see what Luka Garza does with that team and how that team really goes. Best duo in the country. I mentioned both their names before. Timmy Kispert. I mean, I don't think I think there's you know that's enough said. Over both of them are averaging over 25, over five rebounds, over three or four assists. They're basically half their team's output, like in in terms of scoring. I mean, there's other guys like Io and Co- and Kofi, but like those two guys kind of disappointed against Baylor. Um, I mean, their first couple games they were good, putting up great numbers, but it, again against very poor teams. Um, and then when I look at you know my uh, uh, Garrett and Agbaji from uh, Kansas, uh, good duo, but Garrett more known on the defensive end was uh, national defense player of the year last year. 
hasn't really come into his own in terms of scoring. And then uh, Villanova, Colin Gillespie and uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, in my opinion, probably the duo that works best with one another because they actually like feed off each other, unlike Timmy and Kispert. I mean, you can replace Suggs in there, but the thing with Tim with Gillespie and Robinson Earl is that they don't produce really the best numbers, and they're not the most consistent. Like Gillespie will will be a top five national player of the year contender, regardless of the numbers he puts up. Like that's that that's how special this guy is as a leader, um, as a team communicator. Um, he's basically a coach on the floor, um, but I mean, he only puts up like you know 14, 15, 16 points a game. Uh, in the games I've seen. I don't think he's broken 21 points yet, 20 points yet. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl had his best game of his, you know, it was basketball career, even in like CYO or rec. He hasn't, he had 28, I think, against Arizona State or some team. And he said after the game that that was his highest scoring game, I think, ever. It was something like that, 28, 28 or 29 points. Ridiculous um, in terms of Robinson Earl's stats. And I was actually kind of surprised because this guy was highly recruited out of high school. Um, I mean, I know the high school he went to, they didn't have a ton of uh, high-level talent. They didn't play against a ton of high-level talent either. So, I mean, maybe he could have scored more than that and he just didn't know. But, I mean, having, you know, recognizing on college uh, in a college basketball game against one of the better teams uh, out west in Arizona State that you dropped 28 or 29 points and you recognize that that's the best scoring output you've ever done, especially in a college game. That's that's good. I mean, he's he's a sophomore. I think he's going to be a, you know, uh, definitely higher than between like probably fifteen and twenty five in terms of where he's going to get drafted, assuming everything you know goes to plan. But no, that's a definitely a good. Probably not, in my opinion, probably the second best duo. Io and Kofi's probably three. Then Garrett Nagbaji is probably four, and then I'm probably missing a few. But those are really those are the ones that really stand out to me as of um, early. But no, I'm, I'm excited to see what Villanova will what Villanova does over there with Jay Wright, and maybe they bring another national championship. You know, I'm not a big fan of Villanova, but hey, you never know. Now, I want to get to the freshman of the week, and this is going to be our last thing that we'll talk about because I think that this is a good um, good segue into next week because next week we have a lot of good matchups. Um, you know, the freshmen are coming into their own a little bit. And we've seen a lot from a lot of these guys. You know, we've seen guys like Jalen Suggs, who, you know, got injured. Um, you know, we're all praying for him. Josh Christopher out there in Arizona State, walking bucket, averaging around 17, 18 points a game. Jalen Johnson, who was 19 and 19 in his first game uh, at Duke, he was ridiculous. Even though t- the game he had today, I think he only had like five points. He had, I think with like nine uh, minutes left in the second half, he had two points, or he, he just scored his first basket. Um, DJ Stewart, who had a breakout game and a monster dunk um, in this game, and then the game before that, he had a breakout game. Um, so he's exciting to play. And then Cade Cunningham. Um, Cade Cunningham has been very, uh, very impressive. Um, I originally, going into the season, I thought Cade Cunningham would be the best freshman in the first week at least. And he's been good. Don't get me wrong. He's averaging about 20 points, four assists, four rebounds. Maybe five rebounds, something like that. Um, I don't know if he's averaging a st- over a steal. It's probably around one steal, maybe less than a block. But um, uh, I think, like, I'm assuming health, just looking in terms of, like, the two point guards, Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, I thought it would be Cade, then Jalen. 
Um, but Jalen, I think, has looked 10 times better than Cade this year. If you just watch watch the games that they've played in, watch the energy that they both play with, and watch it, watch how the both of the teams play against the competition they play against. I mean, Arizona or Oklahoma State's not playing against anybody good. Like I'll tell you that right now, they're not playing against any really high level guys. Jalen Suggs has already played against. Um, he's already played against uh, West Virginia. He's already played against Kansas, and they whooped both of them. I mean. Jalen Suggs got injured in West Virginia, and they were up like 10 in the first five minutes when he got injured. And he also had an impact on that game. So, I mean, Jalen Suggs, I mean, Kate Cunningham's not far behind, but, and I've made this comparison before, Jalen Suggs is the next Russell Westbrook. And Cade's probably going to be the next, I don't know, Penny Hardaway, Magic Johnson. Like, I mean, you don't know, probably, probably more of like a slowed down version and less athletic Penny Hardaway with a better jump shot. But um, when I look at those two, they're very tight. I'd probably take Jalen Suggs over Cade right now. But um, those are the two point guards. But enough with these two point guards. I want to highlight the best freshman scorer in the country. I said his name earlier. Goes to my goes to my dream school, my favorite school, LSU, and that's Cam Thomas. This dude is a walking bucket. He has over. He has four three. He's averaging four threes a game in his first three games. He's, I think, 12 for 27 from three, which is just under 50%. I mean, that's like 44%, 44, 43%. He's averaging 25 a game. He's averaging two assists, two rebounds, a steal. This kid is ridiculous. And he, and he, play, he plays with such poise and, and focus. It's just so fun to watch because you can, you'll watch this guy. He'll hit... Three like ridiculous like falling away shots or off balance shots that you wouldn't think a regular college player would be able to make, but this guy just amazes on all levels, and I think that's his special talent because I mean he's he's undersized. When I think of a guy that compares to him, I think of C.J. McCollum. I mean he's not the greatest at getting guys involved. He's more of like that, you know, Allen Iverson guy that's not looking to pass. He's looking to score. He's an undersized combo guard. And that's exactly what Cam Thomas is. And like that's one of the main reasons he's he's not very highly uh, ranked in terms of the draft in 2021, is because when you have a six three six four two guard, you need them to one be super athletic, which he's not, and two you need them be be able to guard multiple positions, which he can't. But when you look at his scoring ability, when you look at his attention to detail, when you look at his focus. When you look at how he works, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen on video. And that's saying a lot because, I've one, I've been around a lot of hard workers. I was a hard worker myself when it comes to practicing for, you know, trying to get a scholarship or whatever that may be. I've seen guys like this. And this guy is by far the hardest worker I have ever seen outside of, on video outside of maybe two or three guys that I don't want to mention now because this is his time. But Cam Thomas is, is legit. He's the real deal. I think, in my opinion, he, he will win freshman of the year in the SEC. I could see him winning freshman of the year in the country. Um, I mean, that is assuming you know Jalen Suggs uh, um, doesn't play enough games to do it. But based on what I've seen this first week and a half, and they've played three games. One of them was to a tough team. The other one, the other two were against moderate teams. I mean, still quad two wins. Um, St. Louis would have been a quad one win because it was on the road. 
Um, it was at their tournament. It was the uh, Billikens Bellic- Cla- Classic or whatever it, whatever it was. I mean, he. I remember the first half against the against St. Louis. He was. I think he had two points at half. He finished the game with twenty seven. Like that's how good he is. Like that's how how fast he can turn it on, and get all the misses and all of the bad shots out of his mind and just go to work, because he can string off four or five threes in a row. I mean, we haven't seen more than four in a game, but he has four in every single game. He's shooting, you know, four for nine, four for ten, four for eight. Those are his numbers. Those are his stats right now. Which, in my opinion, coming into LSU with, you know, a low, in my opinion, and like, and I'm not trying to be a bandwagon guy right now. And I'm not a bandwagon LSU guy. I've been an LSU fan since 2013, 2014. My favorite team is actually a Jarrell Martin, Jordan Mickey team. Big Jarrell Martin guy. But when I look at this team, they have so much depth. They're like, of the SEC, they are the. I'm trying to think. What team did I say had a lot of depth? Had, what team did I say? Oh, they are the UNC of the SEC in terms of depth. Because every single one of those guys on that team can string off for 15 points, 15 points in the game. Eric Gaines, electric. Jalen Cook can play defense and hit shots. Sharif O'Neal was highly recruited and still has a ton of talent. Had a heart surgery last year, kind of derailed him two years ago, whatever. But he's coming back. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal talent. Darius Days can hit shots. Javante Smart can hit shots. Trenton Wofford can hit shots. Then Javon, uh, uh, Charles Manning and um, Josh LeBlanc who are going to come back. Mwani Wilkinson, um, Brian Penn Johnson, Josh Gray. All of these guys have the potential for going off for 10, 15 points on a nightly basis. Uh, not on a nightly, nightly basis, but on a game when... LSU needs them to score. When LSU needs them to come in clutch, be that big-time player that they were in high school, that a lot of these guys still are, they're able to do that. And I think that's something that Cam is. Like Cam's going to be that consistent scorer for them. He's gonna, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's going to have he's going to average over 23, 24 points this year because he's that one guy for LSU that can really that can really really turn it up. Like a lot of these guys are elite scorers, but he is the elite scorer in the country of any year. And I'm not just saying that as an LSU fan. If you don't believe me, or if you don't want to believe me, just go watch the tape, watch how he plays, listen to interviews with him, watch his workout, watch it or look at his stats. Don't just take my word for granted. Watch. Because this guy is next up. This guy is the real deal. And I'm not just saying that. This guy is next up. Whew, a lot of talking. 38 minutes, 52 seconds. Damn. All right, guys. It's going to wrap it up for today's you know, episode two of 94 Feet with me, Spencer Jenny. It is around 2.39 p.m. on what was a Friday. Or a.m., sorry. On what was a Friday, but now is Saturday, uh, December 5th. Hope you guys had a good day. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. And hopefully uh, see you on the next one. Peace. We're destined for greatness. Nobody ever thought we would make it. Watch how far we take it. Past the stars and spaceships from a city where the music is sacred. You in the presence of a rebel now. Yeah, we about to take it to another level now. About time everybody got together now. Things are looking better now. We can live.